Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me today, Mr. Don Gray. Don, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Don is, of course, a, a good friend of Agile for Humans, a great mentor to me, a uh, well-known Agile coach, trainer, and uh, all-around great guy. And he is the one that helps me spend my, my hard-earned money at Amazon each and every week on the latest and greatest book that I should be reading, but I but I haven't quite gotten to yet. So, Don... Thanks, as always, for joining us. Also joining us today, Mr. Steve Denning. Steve, how are you? Good, thanks, Ryan. So Steve should be a very familiar name to those of you out in the Agile community. He's the author of eight very successful books, including The Leader's Guide to Radical Management. He's a former director of the World Bank. He's a current contributor to Forbes.com. He leads the Learning Consortium for the Creative Economy, and until recently was a member of the Scrum Alliance Board of Directors. So, Steve, thanks for joining us, uh, and really just wanted to jump right into uh, that last blurb about your your very impressive background, uh, the the Scrum Alliance Board of Directorship, and uh, your recent resignation. So clearly, you you've um, you've resigned from the from the board. You did this in a very public way. I think you tweeted out uh, a few days ago uh, the fact that you've left along with a, a very um, interesting resignation letter. A lot of the the key question that that comes to mind as I read through this and I saw the tweets and responses is, you know, what is going on within the Scrum Alliance that would lead someone, a a champion of Agile such as yourself, to decide that it is time to walk away? Well, I think the Scrum Alliance has uh, made uh, amazing contributions to the Agile world uh, in the uh, site visits of the the Learning Consortium uh, in the, the essence of Scrum is always present, whether or not it's called 
uh, scrum. Uh, it's, uh, it's always there. And um, they have uh, made a major contribution by, first of all, launching the um, Learning Consortium project in 2015. And when that was uh, completed, um, they uh, were a founding member of the, uh, the independent nonprofit corporation that is continuing the work. And that uh, uh, is now an ongoing activity, a multi-year activity. And 2016, we are having an amazing site with it. So Microsoft and Riot Games and Barclays and BMW and I have a new set of visits coming up next week at Spotify and a couple of other firms. So their strong support of that over uh, this 18-month period has been uh, tremendous. And uh, uh, at the same time, as we say in the letter, uh, we uh, in the Learning Consortium and, uh, and, and really throughout the last 18 months, we have been pursuing the idea of Agile as mindset, uh, a view that uh, people in interactions are more valuable or valued more highly than tools and processes. That's the first element of the, um, the Agile Manifesto. And, um, and the first principle that uh, delivering value to customers and clients uh, is the, really the, the fundamental goal of, uh, of an Agile organization. So those uh, views are uh, what I and Steve Forte and I have been uh, pursuing. But uh, as we say in the letter, um, over the last six to eight months, um, we've uh, found it increasingly difficult to uh, um, have our voice heard. And as we feel we're not being heard, we've um, decided to resign. And I'm just saying, can't go into the details of uh, specific discussions, which are confidential within um, the, the board of, of Scrum Alliance. But um, I mean, I, as we said, the letter, it's essentially uh, an issue of what is Agile? What is the direction of an organization that is pursuing Agile? Is it about um, Agile as mindset and people and interactions, as the manifesto says, or is it about uh, Agile as tools and processes? And uh, Tools and processes are important, of course, but um, uh, if they're not uh, driven by uh, an Agile mindset, then what we saw in the site visits to the Learning Consortium is that um, you get no benefit. Uh, simply tools and processes without the uh, agile mindset needs no benefit. It may even be negative because um, some of the scrum practices like a, a daily stand-up, uh, if you are pursuing that with a command and control uh, mindset, I mean, it's the perfect tool for um, even greater uh, manipulation and um, command and control. So. Having the Agile mindset is um, what we're seeing is essential, and that was the central finding of the um, 2015 report and continues to be um, a, a theme that we're seeing in every one of the, uh, of the site visits that we're conducting. I certainly appreciate those insights as you, uh, as you navigate that question, I, and we certainly don't want you to be in a position where you have to uh, feel like you're, you're violating any kind of confidence or trust. We're going to you know, tread carefully here, but over the past six to eight months, you know, that's kind of the, the time period that your letter covers. It's also been apparent that the Scrum Alliance has rolled out uh, very publicly. So I think we can, we can discuss these things. Uh, several new certification tracks and new, new types of certifications. And I'm wondering if 
this new emphasis on you know the the leadership certification track, the team coach certification, the you know some of these other uh, other paths that the Scrum Alliance is pursuing. If these are some of the areas that have caused some some concern for you, or is it, or are these new certification tracks really not even involved in uh, some of the the issues that you've had? Well, again, I I think it's really about mindset. Um, I mean, any tool or process can be um, not any, but many tools and processes can be um, hugely helpful to agile if they are pursued with the right mindset. Um, but the same tools and processes can be uh, exactly the opposite if they're pursued without a an agile mindset. So um, our concern is, is really that we look at all of these activities with a, an agile mindset. And uh, we haven't always felt that that's the case. And so we're not being listened to. We've decided to, uh, to move on and maybe others can continue this. Our replacements can continue this uh, discussion. Certainly. And so is, is a logical conclusion from you know, some of these comments that perhaps the Scrum Alliance is not operating as an agile organization right now? I would leave, leave that to others to uh, uh, make conclusions like that. I mean, you can see uh, some of the public things that they're doing, and, um, and you can make judgments on those, but I would certainly not uh, subscribe to that opinion. As I say, they've, they've made, uh, looking over the last, uh, uh, well, since I joined the board in 2013, they've made huge strides uh, towards uh, Agile. They, I say we're a sponsor of the uh, of the original Learning Consortium project. They're immediately joined as a founding member of the uh, of the Learning Consortium as an independent um, corporation, non-profit corporation. They have sponsored these uh, monthly uh, Learning Consortium webinars, where um, we've had uh, major presentations by world-famous gurus, uh, Roger Martin. Um, Gary Hamill, uh, John Hagel, um, hugely um, prestigious uh, uh, management thinkers who, I mean, two years ago would never have been, even heard of, of uh, Scrum Alliance. And um, so to have them um, making these webinars, having their recordings of those webinars on the, the website, it starts to have a, a dialogue between um, uh, agile and Scrum and general management, and uh, and you can see this in the um, the, the joint efforts to uh, present Agile and Scrum in the uh, um, the Drucker Forum in um, November 2016. There will be um, presentations both by Scrum Alliance and by the Learning Consortium, and present essentially presenting to. Um, these general management thinkers, the idea that uh, management is agile, agile is management um, in the 21st century, and anyone who doesn't get that is going to be having trouble uh, running their organization. So these are major breakthroughs. I think if someone had said a couple of years ago that we'd be presenting agile and scrum uh, to the Drucker Forum as a central theme of the meeting, I think people would say, well, that's, that's unrealistic, because General management is simply uninterested in these issues, but uh, that, that that has happened, 
and it's uh, it's a major breakthrough. I mean, Harvard Business Review um, write its article embracing agile in April. Another major breakthrough had um, McKinsey had this massive agility hackathon, uh, two months uh, effort, uh, over a thousand participants. Um, and a, a pretty good conclusion from it, but very much aligned with the idea that Agile is mindset. So we're looking at a, a world in which um, uh, Agile is becoming central to thinking about management and Scrum Alliance has made a major contribution to that. And our hope is that they will continue to do so. They continue to be a member of the, um, the learning consortium and fully paid up their dues. And so we hope that participation will continue. Yeah, Steve, I think that's the really concerning part when we see that uh, you know people like you and and Stephen Forte and and two others within the past few months when when there are some major resignations from an organization that has given so much to the agile community and to the Scrum practice. I mean, Scrum Alliance uh, sponsors many of the events that that we go to uh, throughout the year. They they provide a lot of support to users groups uh, all throughout the country and, and internationally. And so I think that's just the, you know, most people see a lot of the, 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 the charitable work, the, the uh, grassroots user group work, the, the, the conference sponsorships, the presence. And so when these resignations happen, I think it, there's, it just resonates throughout the community and it gives a little bit of pause of people just wondering, wow, there must be something there. But at, at the same time, as you keep noting very graciously, uh, their wonderful contributions to the community, their participation in the leadership consortium. So you know, I, I definitely appreciate you uh, going into this topic. I understand that you can't go into detail, but appreciate you giving people some insight into, uh, you know, that this is a, a difference in, in philosophy. It's a difference in uh, whether Agile is a, a, a mindset or something to be implemented as a process or tool. And so I appreciate you doing that because it does... I think it definitely gave me pause to think that uh, there is a mass exodus at uh, at the board of director level from this organization that on the uh, on the on all appearances seems to do just great things in our in our community. I mean, my hope is that this is just a temporary uh, ripple on the surface, and that uh, we'll look back out and, uh, in a few months, and uh, we'll, things will be will be back to normal. And uh, uh, but uh, I think taken it as far as I can in a sense it's up to the board of Scrum Alliance to decide um, which direction they're taking the organization and if they continue the direction that they've been on I think um, things will, will work out well because as I say they have made these tremendous contributions to the idea of agile as mindset and if they continue those I think all will be well. So I guess the last question I have around this and then there's just a few um you know, other things to jump into would be, you know, are there corrective actions that, you know, if the, if the Scrum Alliance were to take that, that you would think would lead to, you know, the positive outcomes that you're looking at? Is there anything that you can, any insight you can provide there as far as any, any change in, in practice or approach aside from adopting Agile as a mindset that, uh, that you believe would be very positive for the Scrum Alliance? Well, uh, it, it is really, as I say, about Agile as mindset. And, um, uh, and what it means is that each activity uh, that they're involved in uh, needs to be evaluated from that perspective. Uh, when they're organizing the gatherings, are they 
uh, the choice of speakers related to Agile's mindset or not, as, as they launch these new uh, services for members, which I think are very important. Uh, are they pursuing those from an Agile as, as mindset perspective or simply as some more tools and processes? So it's, it's, a, it's applying that lens really to everything that, that the organization is doing. And they are, uh, it applies to both the things that they've been doing all along, like gatherings, and it applies to these new um, certifications that they're launching. And it's simply um, applying that lens, applying that frame uh, to those issues. So that they are, in fact, part of Agile's mindset. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Steve Denning. Looking for a conference that gives you customized learning options to explore Agile and beyond? Attend Agile Dev East, the premier event covering the latest techniques and topics, no matter your level of Agile adoption, this November 13th through the 18th in Orlando, Florida. Get Agile Tester, Safe Agilist, or IC Agile certified with pre-conference training classes and gain full access to the veteran keynote speakers, in-depth tutorials, topical-driven concurrent sessions, networking events, and more. As an added bonus, Agile Dev East is co-located with the Better Software and DevOps East conferences. Your one registration automatically gives you access to all three programs. Explore the program at adceast.techwell.com. Agile for Humans listeners can use Agile 16 to receive $200 off their conference registration fee. Register by October 14th, early bird deadline, for a combined savings of up to $400 off at adceast.techwell.com. So, so Steve, you've said several times um, in the course of the conversation so far, Agile is a mindset. Uh, When I look at the Agile Manifesto, I see a set of four values and 12 principles. Um, And what I'm curious to hear is when you say Agile as a mindset, what things will we observe when somebody, anybody, a company, a manager, um, starts operating from the Agile as a mindset starting point? What, what sort of things will we see? What sort of behaviors will we notice that indicate this is the source? Agile as a mindset is the source of these activities and um, manifestations. You will, you will see, first of all, leaders who uh, embody uh, this idea in their own actions and in the way they talk, the way they look at the world. Um, and are they all the time looking at uh, people and interactions as being valued more highly than, um, than tools and processes? Are they totally focused on delivering more value uh, for customers? Uh, clients, as opposed to extracting value for um, uh, for shareholders, and uh, are they in fact living agile and being agile, simply doing agile? I mean, there's a statement in the in Harvard Business Review, uh, embracing agile in uh, April uh, 2016, where it it uh, praises an organization where the leadership is spending 25% of their time on agile activities. That uh, is not being agile. That is doing 
agile 25% of the time, and if they're spending 75% of their time on non-agile activities, uh, you can see what the likely impact on the organization uh, is going to be. And you see in many big organizations that have done that, they become excited about agile, they, uh, they pay for huge training programs for many staff, um, and then they find that nothing happens, and then they say, well, Agile doesn't work. Um, and then a few years go by, and they say, well, actually, we, we're not coping with the way we're running the organization. We better have another look at Agile, and they go through the same process again. And those kinds of things happen when you have the leadership that's only doing Agile 25% of the time until the, uh, you have leaders at the top who understand that this is a different way of understanding the world, different way of looking at the world, different way of seeing how the world works, and a different way of interacting with uh, both the people inside the organization and, and the customers. It's, uh, and so you see this uh, and just carries throughout the whole way the organization functions. So, so I've been involved with Agile for some time, and there's a little bit of me that dies every time I hear somebody say, we're doing Agile. It's, uh, it's, it's depressing. It shows they haven't got it. It shows that they haven't digested um, the, the manifesto. And I think, I mean, if we were drafting the manifesto again, which I do not recommend that we do, um, one would be putting minds, agile mindset sort of right at the front and saying that this is a different way of uh, looking at the world, of understanding the world and interacting with the world. And if you don't have this mindset, none of the rest of this is going to matter. And the values flow from that and the principles flow from that. And eventually, after you have those things straight, then you have the tools and processes. And there's not tools and processes on value, but if they're not nurtured and based on mindset and values and principles. Um, they're not only not valuable, they can be very negative, very anti-productive. So, Steve, you made a very nuanced point uh, during that discussion uh, about the difference between delivering value and increasing shareholder value. I was wondering if you could just very quickly kind of touch on that, because I know that's been a very active conversation lately about uh, you know that that subtle difference that that could actually be a very big competitive advantage for companies out there. Well, I've written a great deal about this, of course, and uh, uh, I mean it stems in the first instance from um, Peter Drucker's insight from 1954 when he said the only valid purpose of a uh, an a firm commercial organization is to create a customer. The only valid purpose is to create a customer. And that foundational principle um, has been lost by many organizations. Um, what it implies is that the everyone in the organization needs to have a clear line of sight as to who the customer is and how their work is adding value for the customer. And if they're doing things which are not adding value to the ultimate customer, um, they should be asking questions and say, why am I doing this? Why am I doing things which are not adding value to customers? Now, a different philosophy emerged in the 
1970s and 1980s that the uh, purpose of the firm was almost the opposite. The purpose of the firm was to maximize shareholder value as reflected in the current stock price. And that philosophy got going in a major way in the 1980s, 1990s, and has accelerated ever since. And it's the opposite philosophy, and it leads to a short-term focus, and it leads to basically acting in ways that are counter to the interests of customers and extracting extracting value from the firm instead of creating value for customers. And if you extrapolate that to the whole economy, you have an economy which is extracting value for those who own assets and not creating value for the whole economy. So you shouldn't be surprised that you have an economy in secular economic stagnation, as macroeconomists call it. You Basically, you have uh, an economy which appears to have some things going well, like stock price stock market is booming uh, because there's nowhere else to put money that has been extracted from from these firms. But when you look at economic growth, real economic growth is simply not happening. So the um, this booming stock market is like a, uh, it's just a pretense, it's a front of uh, uh, an economic disaster that's unfolding in front of us. So this is a very, very serious issue, it goes way, way beyond agile um, and points to how the whole economy is being run. And when you have uh, in major corporations uh, systematic uh, efforts to extract value uh, from, from corporations uh, and various forms of financial engineering to make that happen, you have the economic uh, malaise that we have today. So, Steve, another comment that you made that uh, if you could unpack for the listeners, because uh, I, I think this... First of all, I, I wholeheartedly agree, but I think this is uh, the, the new uh, marketplace, at least it, it will be in the very near future, is that uh, Agile is management and management is Agile. Just that idea that uh, um, you know, if companies are not all in embracing these principles, they're going to get left behind. And, and what I'm most curious about is um, you have these very large Fortune 500s that are, are built on uh, traditional management, command and control, um, all of these different things. How do these companies pivot? You know, in your mind, how do they they take on radical management and, and pivot into uh, these agile mindsets, or or is the game over for them and they don't know it yet? Um, well, what we're seeing in, in the learning consortium is that it is possible um, for these big old firms to to change. I mean that. That was the hypothesis that we had when we launched it, and uh, we're finding that it's true. That it's not only new firms like Riot Games and um, and Spotify that are kind of born agile that can manage this, but I mean big old firms like um, like Microsoft and um, and even a even Barclays, a 350-year-old organization, 130,000 people. It's making it an incredible uh, progress, but. Um, and how it happens, I mean, I've written up the Microsoft case in great detail. You can go to those two articles in Forbes, and it describes in words of one syllable, step by step, how it happened. I mean, it started in 2008 with uh, one team experimenting, 2009, a couple of teams experimenting, uh, 2010, uh, Brian Harry, the corporate vice president, um, of the developer division um, 
agreeing to try and experiment with the Visual Studio group, about 25 teams, and then in 2011, um, declaring that um, the whole of the developer division, 4,000 people, uh, was going agile. And at the time, Ken Schreiber, one of the co-founders of Agile and Scrum, uh, wrote a blog saying it could never happen. Um, Microsoft could never change. It was too deeply entrenched in bureaucratic and hierarchical principles, and um, it simply wasn't going to happen. But we went there in 2015, and again uh, last month, um, we saw that it has happened, that uh, the agile transformation that, uh, in the developer division is as advanced as any organization that we've seen, as advanced as any of the new firms like uh, Riot Games and Spotify. So, uh, and we haven't written it up yet, but the Barclays um, visit was similarly spectacular. Uh, and in each of those cases, um, um, the key factor is, as I say, agile is mindset and having uh, people at the very top of the organization getting it, having this agile mindset and playing an active leadership role, inspiring people to want to go in this direction, uh, removing impediments as they emerge, that is um, a, a critical element. What we see in, in other big organizations which are moving much more slowly, much more difficulty, is uh, where you have brilliant people at the working level who are as articulate as anybody on what Agile is and what Scrum is, but if they don't have a sponsor high up in the organization, then um, there are continuing uh, bottlenecks and, and problems that do not get resolved. And so um, it, it means that there's a lot of talk these days about getting rid of managers and having bossless offices. Uh, I mean, this is not what we are seeing at all. What we are seeing is that um, leadership at the highest level is a crucial part of making this happen. And to think that you can run these organizations without managers or without leaders uh, at the top of the organization is simply nonsense. We should stop talking like that and learn from what we're actually seeing with our own eyes in these organizations. So one of the things, questions that Deming always asked was, by what method? As you've talked about leaders with the agilism mindset and the substantial change and value they can bring to their organization. My question becomes, how will we as an organization, as an industry, and, and I'm thinking specifically in software, you're obviously looking much broader. Uh, how, how do we increase this mindshare? By what method will we uh, help people at the tops of organizations embrace agile as a mindset learn Agile as a mindset, live Agile as a mindset? No, well, that is a fundamental question we're, we're faced with. And the panel that I was involved in at uh, Agile Europe um, uh, in, um, in June, uh, which I wrote up in um, verbatim in the Forbes article, the, the missing element in the manifesto mindset, uh, a couple of us took stabs at, at answering that question. And um, this is um, not something that you can accomplish by taking a two-day training course, and so now you have it. Uh, there may be some people who 
um, who were sort of already thinking along these lines. And so a training course might um, reinforce ideas they already have. But if you have people who have entrenched uh, habits um, of doing exactly the opposite, um, you cannot expect that a two-day training course is, uh, is going to do it. Uh, some of the things that we have seen work um, is actually going and visiting other organizations. Um, that's the whole point of the site visit. Um, and some of the organizations uh, found that really helpful to bring along skeptical executives and that they can see and touch and feel uh, and talk to people at every level and just get a sense of what it would be like. And that, is, that has been helpful. Um, stories about other organizations that have uh, changed is another way of, uh, uh, if you can't make site visits. Um, and uh, I mean, one of my colleagues, Steve Hollier, was saying, well, actually, uh, just practicing and, and doing it um, uh, could, over time, uh, bring on the mindset, but I, I think, particularly at a senior level, it's going to need a lot of thought and reflection. I mean, one senior manager uh, was putting uh, in charge a leadership position of a whole agile transformation, and he was finding it wasn't working, uh, that somehow he wasn't getting it. He had a coach, um, and uh, the he would ask the coach, suppose, suppose I did this, would that help? And the coach would say, well, you could try this, but that would make things really bad. And then he said, well, after a bit, suppose I did that, would that help? Well, you could try that, but that would make things even worse. And it went on like that for about eight months and um, eventually said, I'm not getting it. So he went on vacation and took a pile of books, including mine and others, and uh, he spent his time sort of reading the books, and suddenly the penny dropped. And he wrote to his uh, wrote an email to his coach and said, "Well, suppose I did A, B, C, and D. Would that help?" And the coach said, "Yeah, that would help. Now you've got it. Now, now you don't need me anymore." So that was eight months. Um, others it might take eight years. Others it might be never. But this is not something that. Uh, someone who has been acting in a certain way for many years with a whole lot of reinforcement is going to suddenly um, automatically get it. I mean, there's a funny video that put on that um, uh, article of the, the backward bicycle. <laughs> this is about the, a bicycle where you turn the handlebars to the right and the wheel goes to the left. Turn it to the left, wheel goes to the right. And um, it, it's very funny because the, the guy who built this bicycle challenges people to ride it. People who can ride a bicycle, they know what they have to do, uh, but lo and behold, they simply cannot do it. He does contests and says, I will give you so many hundred dollars if you were able to ride this bicycle for 20 feet. And it shows them falling off the bicycle consistently. And they know what they have to do, but they simply cannot physically do it. They have a whole set of uh, habits that cannot be broken. Now he. The guy who did it, he spent eight months himself trying to learn it, and eight months he couldn't do it, just kept falling off. And then one day, after trying for eight months, suddenly he could do it. And just the previous day he couldn't do it, and suddenly he could do it. And it may be something like that with Agile, that it may, you keep at it, and 
it's finally, finally, you get it. I mean, the funny thing about the bicycle is that he, um, after he was able to ride the backward bicycle, he could no longer ride a regular bicycle. He, he was, uh, his uh, whole brain had been recalibrated so that he couldn't do what he'd been able to. And I think that you see that with agile managers, that one, once people have crossed this chasm, once people have, um, have made the transition, then the thought of acting as a manager in the old way is, is unthinkable and uh, simply cannot act that way anymore. So it's, this is not gonna be easy or quick or simple, but it's, the transition is inevitable because the marketplace is requiring companies that don't make the transition basically won't su survive. So it's change or die. It's sort of pretty much as simple as that. In the Scrum world specifically, of course, Scrum Alliance and Scrum.org are the two uh, protectors of the Scrum Guide. They are the, the champions of Scrum. And recently, both Ken, and Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland came out with updates to the Scrum Guide specifically around uh, the Scrum values. Mm -hmm. And it seems like uh, they've brought um, mindset back to the, to the Scrum Guide. Just wondering if you have any comments about uh, this recent update and especially the, uh, in my own opinion, the much-needed update to bring the Scrum values back. But do you see this as um, perhaps helping move that shift from, from doing Agile to more like being Agile? Yeah, I think it's terrific. And um, I strongly welcome it and applaud it. And, um, and I, I think what happened was that this mindset was kind of implicit in what uh, Jeff and Ken were talking about. Uh, as it is in the manifesto. Um, but as we started to see commercial pressures to sell tools and processes, uh, that it became more evident to them and to me and to many people that we need to make explicit what was implicit. And that the heart of Agile, the heart of Scrum, is a set of values and principles and mindset, uh, not the tools and processes. The tools and processes are uh, much further down the track. And if you're only in tools and processes, you really don't have it. You know, something that's always concerned me about the commercialization of Scrum, and I think the listeners out there know um, I love Scrum. It is my framework of choice. I think it's a, a wonderful way to introduce people to to Agile. It's a, it's a great, um, I think, you know, playground or, or way to to get people on board uh, one of the concerns I've I've always had, and, and Steve, maybe you can uh, shed a little light, or maybe you're not allowed to talk about this. I'm not sure, but I I, I want to ask anyways. Is that um, given the the commercial ties now? You know, you, we have CSTs out there who, uh, if you change the Scrum Guide, they now have uh, a lot of work to do to update their training, and there's a lot of uh, moving parts now since Scrum is so commercialized that. Have you seen in any instances where there is hesitation uh, to update Scrum, to change Scrum, to be willing to to look at advancing Scrum because of all these new uh, financial ties uh, around Scrum? I'm not at that level of detail, so I really don't know uh, okay. what's, what's happening at that level. But I, I would say that the um, uh, um, it, it's... It's kind of ironic that um, say the Agile Manifesto, uh, which, in which say inspect and adapt, uh, is the founding is a kind of founding 
mantra and principle and philosophy, um, uh, inspect and adapt everything except the Agile Manifesto. <laughs> uh, so, and the same thing with Scrum, and um, that uh, inspect and adapt is a basic principle, and it has been relatively slow to adopt, apply that principle to itself. Um, so I would be urging both Agile and Scrum to be um, inspecting and adapting not only to others, but to themselves. Well, Steve, this, this has been uh, a very interesting conversation, and I, I really do want to thank you for for shedding some light on this, I like I said before, the uh, such a such a radical change at at the director level uh, resonated through the community. I'm sure there were a lot of concerned people. I think that uh, through conversations and interviews and, and articles, and I'm sure your continued writings, those concerns will be alleviated. And uh, I think we all know that Scrum Alliance will continue to do great things, both through the learning consortium and through the community. and And I hope that you're right that this is a blip. But actually, it reminds me of um, back when Tobias Mayer was having some some similar, I think, crisis of conscious, uh, when the PMI was bring, being brought into global scrum gatherings and and some of those writings of his, I I seem to recall as I as I think through some of the things that you've said, and, and it looks like Tobias has recently uh, re-upped his CST um, oh. certification, and I think he's on that path of reconciliation. Uh, with the Scrum Alliance, and I hope that that you also stay involved. It looks like you are through the Learning Consortium, and I hope that you are right that this is a temporary thing, and that and that you stay involved uh, with our community because uh, you have offered just so much uh, wisdom and insight through the Forbes column, through your books, and uh, it would be a shame if uh, if you were to to step away. Well, I'm not going anywhere, as you you can see that I'll be be at the Agile. Um, meeting in Atlanta um, week after next and um, speaking in a, a number of sessions there and I'll be at the Drucker Forum um, speaking about Agile there and the Learning Consortium is a multi-year activity and will continue and uh, uh, I think uh, quite exciting to, as we look as in the future to both um, have that go you know, deepen the experience uh, in some of the companies, but also to broaden the uh, experience to look bring in more more organizations, um, uh, more diverse organizations, particularly outside software, and uh, also exploring how that might create chapters in um, in different um, in different ways. That there might be um, regional chapters of the learning consortium, obviously. I mean, when we're having these global visits all around the world, it's sometimes difficult for firms to get the staff to get involved fully in that. Um, but it, it, they might you know, be discussing the possibility that maybe regional chapters could be set up or, or uh, chapters in relation to a particular sector. I mean, uh, uh, maybe in the government uh, uh, or in the military or in, uh, say, the health sector, there might be um, chapters which focus on a particular area and they could be linked um, and have a sort of an interactive learning experience with the, uh, the kind of the main learning consortium. So the number of um, issues that we're exploring and open to suggestion on how how we could make the learning consortium something that's uh, of greater value to, to everyone. Um, and it, it has required a certain amount of confidentiality in order to have firms 
reveal their sort of inmost secrets and problems. Um, so it, it hasn't been possible to make it as, as public as, uh, uh, as I would like, but um, that's kind of necessary in order to get the open dialogue. But uh, once we've made the learnings, we can, we've done our best to disseminate those widely. So I would see uh, my involvement in Agile and Scrum as continuing on a never larger uh, perspective as we go forward. Well, Steve, Don, really enjoyed this conversation, shed some light on what's been going on with Scrum Alliance, highlighted some of the great things that they do in the community, and also some of the, the great things that, that Steve is working on in the future. So really appreciate you guys joining us. So what's really fun about these types of conversations is that you know you see Agile plays at many levels. So is it a mindset? Is it a set of processes and tools? Can it be both? Is it for management? Is it for developers? Is it for testers? And and how does that all interplay and act? And, and what's really a lot of fun about uh, Agile Dev East is that all of those viewpoints are present. All of those people are there. You get to have those rich conversations. And uh, by using the Agile 16 code, you can save uh, $200 off your entry. It's a great deal to get out to Orlando to meet many of the people in the community that are having these conversations. I'll be there. A number of past podcast guests will be there. Hope to see as many of you as possible out there. Let's continue these conversations. Let's get these tough questions answered, and let's move the ball forward as we look to bring Agile to to our organization. So it's really appreciate all of you being out there. We've had great download numbers recently. The fan and, and listener support has been tremendous. You know, even the signups for uh, Agile Dev East. You know, we've seen a lot of people signing up. Can't wait to meet all of you out there. And, uh, and share some ideas and, and have some great collaborations and really just looking forward to all that. So thank you again, everybody. I really appreciate the support and have a great night. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.